Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm Bran, and I'm with my wife, Marcy. We're the hosts of the show. And today we're going to talk about um, something personal that's been going on in our family, and that's uh, a medication change with our son. So um, recently he's, he, he's been taken off like two medications and being um, switched to another one to replace the two that he's been taken off and his behavior at home, at school, has just been totally different than what we're used to. And then we just barely picked him up from my parents' house where he spent the night for a couple nights and they're like whoa big change and they couldn't believe like his behavior and whatnot yeah he was taking risperidum and i believe it's called divalopro x anyway um he was taking risperidone ever since he was five and he's now 10 so the doctor wanted to take him off of it I guess it causes weight gain and some other side effects. And so she wants to take him off of it. And But the replacement medication that he got is called Latuda. And I feel like it makes him more more paranoid and more delusional. And and his, um, his like, repetitive thoughts um, just keep getting in the loop. Like, he, he can't seem to get out of his repetitive thoughts so I feel like it's I don't know it's it's making his symptoms and um, different things a little worse than than we're used to yeah and he, when he was at my parents house he even complained to grandma and he was like I don't like the way this new medicine make me feel what make me act I'm trying hard to be good but the medicine's making me be bad and yeah, I mean, so it looks like we're going to be making an appointment with his, uh, oh, what's the person called? Um, Psychiatrist? Yeah, and maybe changing up his meds or putting him back on the old stuff. I don't know, but something's got to change. Yeah, he even told Grandma that, I wish I could go back to my old medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just crazy how, how like, you just got to, it's like trial and error with these medicines, and it's just... I could see why a lot of people don't even want to mess with medicines, but they do help. Like on good note, I recently been put on some medications, and I'm not gonna name them all because there's too many to name. But I feel like I've made quite a bit of improvement. I mean, yes, there are some side effects, but I feel like the improvements outweigh the side effects. Like, for one, I feel less anxious while I'm doing this podcast. Um, what else? My my meltdowns are fewer, but they've, they've changed. Like, I used to be really aggressive when I have a meltdown, but and now it's more like I lose control of, my, of like, my functions. You used, to be, you used to be really angry. Yeah. But now it's it's more emotional. More emotional. And, yeah, more emotional. And I lose, like, I, f- I just feel like I lose control of my body. Like, 
I can't control my thoughts, my body, and it's just just more emotional. Like I cry more, and if you know me, I'm not a big cryer. I I don't cry much at all, but also I'm old school too. I was raised, boys don't cry. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like his medicine has made you know huge improvements in the in the outbursts that that he used to have meltdowns outbursts. Um, he is not getting as angry and and yelling so much. You know, it's it's more low key than that. So I've been happy about that because <laughs> you know, like as a spouse, you don't want to be yelled at all the time and. So it's it's been nice and I mean I I have flaws myself. I I take depression medi- medicine and anxiety medicine, so it's not like I'm, you know, perfect or anything like that. I'm not saying that I am, but um but yeah, it's it's definitely ha- uh been progress, I feel like. Yeah, so like I said, um it's like trial and error. Like I I got it right the first time. I feel like with my medication but now that our son's older and stuff, they want to try to get him on different medications because he's old enough to be put on older medicine, like medicine for older people. And, I mean, I'm glad that he's off Risperdone because of the different side effects. I mean, because he was blowing up like a balloon. And since he's been off of it, he's really slimmed down. And it's been nice because now our pediatricians off our back about his weight but now we got the school on our back and family members on our back about how he's behaving and it's just it's overwhelming (laughs) yeah and if anybody has any tips or advice or or even you know wants to know more about the the different types of medicine that that our child has been put on we you know we welcome questions and and you know advice um on what you guys are are uh, experiencing and maybe what your child is on and or or even adult autistic you know it, it's nice to share feedback with different people and and get that um get that uh community feel going yeah and you're more welcome to contact us about my medications too and what I'm taking I just don't want to name them all because there's I'm on so much crap it's ridiculous but it's not all just for like some of us for like actual uh, physical health not just mental health but uh, yeah you can reach us you know through social media um, or our email this podcast has autism at outlook.com or you can uh, comment on our website, and we'll get back to you. We're pretty good at um, replying back to emails and and comments on the website and through social media. We reply pretty quickly. Yeah. So and shoot us an email or or something, and and get um, get our attention, and and we'll we'd love to chat with you. And it doesn't have to be just medication. It could be you know, whatever. And uh, if we don't know the answers, we know people that we can turn to to get answers for you. Like we had someone reach out to us about homeschooling, 
and then we hooked them up with the right person and yeah so you know it doesn't have to be just about medication it could be whatever that you might be struggling with today's interview is with a children's librarian in our local area of salt lake city utah um, she works at the anderson foothill library and the sensory story time that she talks about happens every third saturday of every month during the school year except in january at 11 a.m. So now let's hear our interview. Today we have Lindsay from the library. Um, Lindsay, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me, Marcy and Brian. I'm really excited to talk about um, our sensory story time at the library. And my name is Lindsay Watts, and I'm a children's librarian at the Anderson Foothill Library for the Salt Lake City Public Library. Um, and I've been working for the library for 14 years, and I have my master's in library science that I re received in 2016, and I've just been working um, in different positions at the library with children for the past nine years, and it's so much fun, and I'm super passionate about early literacy and um, bringing books about diversity to kids, and so yeah, it's my passion. And I'm super excited to talk about sensory story time with you guys. Yeah, what what made you decide to become a children's librarian? And, oh, I guess you already answered how long have you been one. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so initially when I started working for the library, um, and I was at the main library, they have a big children's department down there, a whole floor dedicated just to the children. And... Um, and it was just super fun initially. Like, I, I didn't really have that in mind for a career. It was just so much fun and making the relationships with the kids that would come in. And I just loved it. And then after, you know, participating in a few programs on story times, I just realized how important to me it is to bring, um, you know, these early literacy skills to kids when they're young and also just, I, I think um, one of the most important things to me about the job is how I've learned that children really learn empathy through reading. And um, so I really want to impress that moral value into the lives of children. So bringing diverse books into the hands of children that may not, you know, um, have any of these different experiences or, you know, have these global perspectives is really important to me. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. One of many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you start sto Sensory Story Time? So it started in the fall of 2015, and um, I'm not the originator. My current supervisor is actually the one who started it, and oh, okay. then he was promoted, and then I was able to take on his spot. So I've been doing it for um, about a year and a half. Oh, okay. Perfect. Is Sensory Storytime exclusively at your library? Currently it is. Um, and the, the library that I'm at is one of our East Side libraries. And we really tried to have, last year we wanted to have one at one of our West Side locations as well. And so we tried it out for a year at our Glendale branch. But we were having a really hard time um, reaching out to the community. And so we just had such low attendance. So 
Um, for this year, again, it'll probably just be at our Anderson Foothill branch, but I know that we'd like to try it again um, so that we can have, you know, accessibility to the program to our east side patrons and also to our west side patrons. So we're going to work on that. Okay, and then is, is the Anderson Foothill branch the one you work at? Yes, I do. And it's kind of, it's, it's by the University of Utah. Um, so, yep, that's where I'm at. Okay. Total, we have eight locations for the Salt Lake City Library. They're just within the city limits. I know the county has many more. I think they have 16 locations. But oh, okay. We have eight. Um, what is sensory story time like? So, um, it's a lot more in, um, on my side. There's a lot more planning than a regular story time, as I'm sure a lot of people can imagine. So, um, I have a partner that helps me present. And so, um, my partner and I will plan our theme well in advance. And then a week before our story time, We'll send a reminder to all of our parents with our theme. Um, we'll send them a program outline as well as what we call a social story. And that um, is more pictures showing, like, our, our library building, what it's like when you walk in, where the parking lot is, kind of just so that they're familiar and there's hopefully no surprises when they come so they feel comfortable. And then... As they come in, we have a table set up with name tags and some fidget, fidget toys, and that can be anything from, we've got slinkies, we've got puppets, squishy balls, hand puzzle type toys, um, and then they'll do the carpet square. And then as far as the program itself, we have an outline that we try to stick to, um, but we are definitely flexible as we need be during the middle of the program. But the, the way it's laid out, typically, we always have a greeting song, um, and usually we do a hello song that has some actions or sign language, and um, we'll greet everyone. And then we do um, a finger play or a song together, another one um, that's more towards the theme. And then we'll do a book or a flannel board story and then we have um, an activity that's kind of more of a big movement activity song. And then right after, we'll follow with a quiet song. Then we'll do our book, another book or flannel board story with an activity afterwards. Then we do a goodbye rhyme every time. And then we've got a playtime or um, some social time where we've got a few activities set up. And then if we need to, we'll play our cleanup song and clean up. And then we also have um, a schedule mm -hmm. posted at the front of the room that we go through and everyone can see and we can point it out when we're moving on. It's got a cute caterpillar on it. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it's structured. That sounds super fun. Yeah, it is. And each, each song or book or activity, um, we try to have some involvement with the families and the kids, whether it's something they hold on to that is related to our book or story or song or it's doing actions or asking questions or coming up to the board so we try to really involve them in as many different ways as we possibly can does the sensory story time run year-round um so we actually 
actually only have it during the school year right now. Okay. Um, I'd love to have it year-round, and we do have requests for it. But right now, our summers are so busy. We have we have multiple programs every day during the summer because we're doing, like, our big summer reading program. Mm-hmm. So, like, this summer we had a few days with four programs in the day, and it was really, <laughs> wow. really busy for me. Um, so, sadly, we right now we just have it during the school year, but okay. hopefully in the future we can expand it. And how does it benefit the children and the parents? So, I think that... Um, really great in in a few ways so for one it's a free program so um you know and a lot of times we've got some fun take-homes and uh, you know activities that they can do again later with each other with their families but I think that's actually one of the um most beneficial things is it's free but also um we offer a like a safe space for these families and their children to come in um, in a public space. So they're able to come into a public space and feel welcomed and that they're wanted and that they can come experience the story time together. Typically, our regular story times receive extremely high attendance, maybe 40 children and up in the room. So that's excluding parents. And a group that size might, you know, overwhelm or overstimulate child that would come to our sensory story time so we've really tried to choose the time um when our library's less busy the program's capped at a registration of 15 children and so hopefully this way the families and children can come in and experience the library going into a public space together but it's um they're hopefully not overwhelmed and um so yeah i think that that some of those are some of the really big benefits because I guess you know to me I didn't initially think about like you know if you if you've got a child with these different sensory needs it's really hard for a lot of these families to go out in public right. and so being able to have a space where they can come together and make new friends meet new families that they have not met before I think that that's really important and inclusion at the library is really important so we're trying our best to create programs that can reach these different communities. So I think that those are some, hopefully, some good benefits to these families. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what are your goals for sensory story time? Um, I think that one of the big goals is, and I think we've accomplished it and are still, you know, making sure that it's running well, but um, we just really wanted to, like I mentioned, create a safe space for these families to come and, you know, have this experience at the library where it's free, but also, um, you know, there's no judgment. They're allowed to, you know, experience the space the way that they see is best. Um, and then also just relationship building is a big part of the library. So building relationships with these families and hopefully expanding upon that, you know, they, they'll tell their family, their friends and, um, a lot of times that also opens us up to teachers or schools that help and have different programs so then we can learn better for ourselves. But, yeah, I think just our goals were to be able to reach out to these families in need and um, be a, a good-serving part of our community 
Yeah, it sounds like you guys are successful in that. Yeah. So that's great. Um, Do you offer any other activities for people on the autism spectrum? Um, We do have um, an autism book club for um, those on the spectrum that are a little bit older. So it's not geared towards children. It's geared towards teens and adults. And um, it's also at our location at the Anderson Foothill Branch, and it's run by our teen librarians. So I think that's a really unique program for, um, you know, those that are on the spectrum that are older. Um, And we don't necessarily have other programs that are geared just towards those on the spectrum, but we do have um, a few programs, like we have a preschool dance party, um, program and we have a playtime program and so if you've got you know maybe a child who's high functioning but is, has a hard time sitting still during a regular story time they could come to these programs that are much more movement based and um, have some fun there so yeah yeah um, does the library offer any accommodations for autism during the program, we have a quiet corner set up with some weighted blankets. We've got some special cushions, kind of squishy cushions they can sit on. We have those fidget toys for them when they come in. Mm-hmm. And um, we can certainly dim lights if needed. And our room is also, the room that we have the meeting, the program in is downstairs. And it's pretty separated from the rest of the library. So that hopefully, you know, they feel um that they're not being overstimulated by distractions. And um, so those are kind of the accommodations we have at our location. Unfortunately, we don't have any um, physical changes to the space other than what we can put out. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I haven't had any requests for anything else, but certainly if you know families need more accommodations, we do what we could. Right. Um, do you have uh, training or background with special needs kids? Um, I don't have any formal training. Um, the county library system created this program, I believe it was maybe a year or two before we had, and we were able to bring that librarian to a training for us, and she gave us a very lengthy training, which was really helpful. Um, and we're also, our specific location the Foothill Branch is located very close to the Pinkree School for Autism, and so we've been able to go and, um, you know, talk to the teachers there. They've let us sit in and watch a few lessons. So we've kind of been able to get some insight that way. I'm certainly not an expert in the field at all, um, but, I'm, and I'm hope- but I'm hopeful that, you know, what we offer is valuable, and I'm always willing to learn but that's kind of our, our, the extent of my training, so. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you have any certain books that you recommend for people on the spectrum? Yeah, so I, this is a tricky one. I think because each child, you know, that every child is so different, but especially, you know, on the spectrum, they all have different needs or sensory, um, you know, issues. So... I think that um, it would just depend specifically on the child. But um, I was also talking to my teen librarian who runs Autism Book Club, and I asked her, you know, how do you guys choose your books? Um, 
is there anything you take into account? And she really explained to me, because I've never been to one of her book clubs, but she really explained to me that, um, and, you know, they are older than the children that I work with, but they really, you know, like the same types of books that any other person would read or would like, and they all take turns choosing the books and voting for what they want to read next. So they really, um, and she gave me a few titles that they've read. It, it really spans, you know, the spectrum of genres and books. And so in that sense, I think that, um, you know, I wouldn't want to necessarily have that sensory or that censorship thought in my head like, oh, you know, they can't read the same books that I read. But definitely for a child who's developing, I think it definitely would depend on, you know, what their needs specifically are, maybe what their interests are or what they're learning or what they need to focus on themselves. Yeah. And um, can you recommend any books for kids who want to learn about autism? Sure. So I did pull a few um, that I thought were fun. Um, One that I really liked is this very cute book called All Cats Have Asperger's Syndrome. And it's by Kathy Hoopman. And it's just, it's very cute. It's got pictures of cats. But it goes through and talks about um, the different, you know, sometimes different sensory needs that the children have. So um, it talks about how they, you know, maybe like to be by other people, but they don't necessarily want to be touched or they have certain routines that they like the way cats do, or they have certain foods that they like the way cats do. So it's kind of, it's not um, super intense. It's definitely for children and kind of more on the lighthearted side. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was a really good introduction to think about how, um, you know, people on the spectrum might have these different, you know, needs or what they, the way they think is a little bit different maybe sometimes. And then um, I have an older um, chapter book that I would recommend, and um, it is called The Rules by Cynthia Lord, and it's about um, this 12-year-old girl who has an autistic brother and how she's kind of trying to, as she's getting older, and he is to kind of um, accepting the way that her family dynamic is different from other families that she knows or other friends. And then also in the story, she has, um, she develops a friendship with a new kid at school who's a paraplegic. So I think that that book is really great because it talks about so many different levels of diversity and um, learning about those around us. And then I also have, it's kind of more a book for adults, but one that I've that's really helped me learn about um, kind of kinetic learning is called A Moving Child is a Learning Child, How the Body Teaches the Brain to Think. And um, as we've done, like, movement programs, like our preschool dance party, um, that's been a really helpful book for us to kind of just remind ourselves how movement and play really do help the brain develop. Wow, those sound yeah. really great, yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we close? Well, I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this program. It's really near and dear to my heart. I love it so much. Um, 
And I would just invite anyone who's interested to learn more to um, come by the library or give me a call. And if you would like to give me a call at the library, my phone number there is 801-594-8611. So you can call me there if you have questions. Um, and if you're interested in any of our other library programs, um, our website is flcpl.org. And we also have Instagram and Facebook, just the City Library, so you can find about find out about programs that way, too. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for reaching out. And hopefully, you know, if anyone has any questions, I'd love to hear back from community. And, yeah. So, thank you, guys. Thank you. So to all the listeners that are not here in Utah with us, please check out your local libraries and see what great programs that they have for your child or children. At this time, we want to do a review on some items that we received from Century Goods out of Arizona. The two items are a five-pound weighted blanket and a small weighted lap pad that is three pounds. The five-pound blanket is forest green, and the filler is glass beads. The lap pad is cotton and has a Paris theme pattern with pink and mint green. With the lap pad, you don't have to use it just on your lap. You can put it on your shoulders or wherever else you need to feel some extra weight or pressure. The blanket is a good weight weight in size for children. It is 40 inches, which is 3 feet 4 inches wide. The length is 52 inches, which is 4 feet 4 inches wide, uh, long. I mean, Or it can be a small blanket for an adult to use for TV or a good nap. Overall, these are great quality items that we recommend. And also, we'll be giving away um, later on this month. We will be featuring Deborah Musicar from The Art of Autism. That's it for this episode. Until next time.